Hello and welcome. Yes, it's the Breakdown Podcast again, and I am joined, as always, by Neil Vanderplug. Um, joining us from Albury. How are you doing, Neil? Good, thanks, Jamie. How are you? I am doing spectacularly, and I'm in a good mood because we're coming up to the first men's NRS event, and we just had another great um, edition of the Mersey Valley Tour, so it's good to get the racing back on. Certainly is, yeah. It's been uh, been quite a while. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about the gap that they have between the Australian summer of racing with like all the major races um, of Cadell's um, Harold Sun Tour and Tour Down Under. But yeah, well, anyway, it's there, and um, and it's it's a bit of a pity because you'd like to be able to take the momentum from those those high profile events and then go straight into the NRS. But um, presumably, there are reasons for for not doing that. Yeah, I think um, in. In the past, there's normally been probably at least one or two races by now. So um, calendar sort of shifted around a bit, and because some of those events aren't going ahead, I guess it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's made for this extra large gap of racing. I'm, I'm thinking next year. Hopefully, it'll be a bit different. There'll be something on earlier. Well, yes, and um, we'll get to talking a bit more in depth about that later with um, Grafton to Inverell uh, moving around to accommodate the other teams but yeah it's um a bit of a pity but anyway let's focus on the positives and uh we'll go straight into discussing the racing so put a break in here and we'll come back with the tour of mersey valley which happened down in tasmania last weekend okay and we're back to discuss the mersey valley tour and we had um our reporter on the ground uh, neil vanderplug following following your girlfriend maddie wright in her first um nrs event yeah that's right it was good i, I got to um go down and uh sort of follow the race from the uh the car of uh specialized women's racing so that was uh yeah it's it's really good i i've uh, gone on a few uh events in the men's team as well last year in the car and uh yeah it's it's good to be on the other side of uh on the other side i guess um yeah particularly on over the weekend because the weather was absolutely filthy so i was very glad to be in the car and uh yeah not out on the bike yeah particularly that final stage they mentioned um was really nasty one um and a tremendous effort by tessa fabry winning it um solo in that situation yeah, definitely. But look, there was there was a lot of rain in both stages. Um, in fact, in all stages, really. Though there was the time trial on on the Friday, and that was there was a little bit of for the first half. The rain held out, and then the rain really came down for the second half, and it pretty much continued. And then, yeah, Saturday's race rain, and then yeah, that uh, Sunday stage was just at the start. In particular, we saw a couple of flashes of lightning, even. The wind was just absolutely just, oh, it was just ripping. It was, it was actually starting to unnerve quite a few riders in the uh, in the neutral section. So luckily it got a little bit better from there. But, yeah, the weather was uh, apparently, um, yeah, very different to what it's been in Tassie. Apparently they've got, you know, quite a bit of problems with uh, a lack of water. But I tell you what, there was no lack of water on the weekend. That is for sure. Well, that's one good thing. and. Decent weather for ducks as well, I suppose. Yes. No, it sounded like everyone was pretty happy to get a bit of a, a rainfall. Okay, well, we'll get into the results. And on that first 16-kilometre um, time trial stage, um, no surprises there with Bridie O'Donnell taking the win um, from Kate Perry, our old 
our old um, podcast regular uh, who slotted into second there. And that was, that was an important um, second place for her there as she took important um, time gaps on her major climbing rivals there. Um, Miranda Griffiths um, slotted in third, only two seconds back. And then, then there were a bunch of high five riders behind her, behind her there. And yeah. Yeah. Do you think that was the critical stage in the end? I mean, I mean, in hindsight, yes, you could say it was, but. Well, I'd say it's actually a pretty well-balanced tour, the Mersey Valley tour. Definitely the last stage being a hilltop finish. There's, there's definitely room to uh, gain or lose a lot of time. And even in the Guns Plain stage, it's, it's a very tough climb. It's probably, that's probably the, yeah, the least decisive stage of the three. And even then, like, yeah, there was sort of like, there was a small group going in there and time could potentially be made even on that stage, but pretty well balanced. Like, I think in the end, it wasn't necessarily the, well, I guess it was like Kate got a few seconds over uh, Liza and Hoskins in that TT and she needed about half of them. So a uh, really well balanced tour. The TT is obviously yeah, important, but uh, it's good that there's other stages. Like the tour was, it was really exciting right from the TT onwards. Get the results up. It was tight. Like Brighty was the clear, you know, the clear TT specialist there who had a bit of a gap. But look, from from Kate down to uh, eighth place, Lucy Kennedy, and even, yeah, well, yeah, probably eighth place, Lucy Kennedy. That's, it was only about 30 seconds. So really tight field, really good racing. Yeah, it's really good to see that um, level of competition amongst the women there. It's it's been it's been um, some really interesting racing from them in the past. You know, in the entire time I've been covering the um, NRS scene, and it's it's always you go to into a race, and it's always the characteristics of the of the riders which goes into deciding it, rather than you know one rider necessarily being always the strongest, um, as you know might have been seen in the past a bit. But um, yeah, as I talked, I talked to Kate Perry after after the stage, um, after the final stage, and she and she said, yeah, if it's a time trial or a hilltop finish, then you know it goes more towards me. In many other situations, it will it will favour one of the other riders more. So it, it all depends on how it's raced, I suppose, which is you know the great thing about cycling and why we all enjoy it so much. Anyway, so we're on to that second stage and. From your position in the in the specialised car, um, they had the they had that f- um, six was it five 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 riders going over over the top of Guns Plains, um, and how happy were they with that situation? Uh, with the, obviously outnumbered by the high five girls in there with um, Lucy Kennedy and Leeson Hawkins in the in that move, but to get to get your main rider up the front, you've got to be pretty content with that. It was actually a really exciting stage even before that climb because. Um, yeah, it's an interesting situation because Kate obviously was the fastest time trialer out of all of those girls, and she's a very good climber. Um, but there's quite a bit of a descent um, before the the decisive climb, which is probably the hardest single climb of the whole tour up Guns Plains. That's one that the uh, uh, it features in the the men's race as well in the Tour of Tasmania. It's often sort of the you know one of the very decisive stages. Um, but Kate actually. Um, because it was wet and she's she's not you, even in the dry she's she's not a very um, strong descender. So what the girls often do, the uh, Kate's rivals, they often attack on the descent and try and uh, exploit that sort of uh, weakness, I suppose. And they did, and there was there was a few crashes, unfortunately. But when we got down to the valley, which is there's a short amount of um, well, it's probably about still about 15 minutes of racing or something. There's still enough time in that valley for things to happen. But we got to the bottom in the valley, and there were it was just in absolute pieces. So there was a group of about 
eight in the front group and they were riding as hard as they could and that contained some of the uh the gc riders then there was a middle group excuse me with the yellow jersey Brady o'donnell and a number of others and then they had um and kate perry was sort of well we took a time gap she was 45 seconds down um as they hit that valley so she had a couple of her teammates weighed up with her and it was just this you know this great sort of um battle of um the specialized girls trying to get kate back in the race before that you know really tough climb and it actually all came together literally about 100 meters before that climb so it was really good to watch actually it was it was fantastic racing and then when the climb actually um when they hit the climb it was just brutal and and the, the leaders who went over the top, uh, Lucy Kennedy, Tessa Fab... Oh, was it Tessa Fabry? No, yeah, it must have... Oh, no, she was... Yeah, she was actually in... She mustn't have lost too much time. She must have been in the other group. Um, but anyway, they had two of the um, high five girls, Liz and Hoskins and Lucy Kennedy. Um, but Kate was actually just off the back. Um, and it was just an... Oh, like going over the crest... Um, there was this gap of about 20 or 30 metres that took probably about three kilometres for Kate to actually close down over the top of the climb. Um, so it was actually really, really exciting in the car because it, it looked like it could go either way. It looked like Kate, you know, she was she was trying to claw those girls back, um, four girls at the time, and she was just really struggling. And it looked like she could have blown and gone backwards or she was, you know, she might have caught them in the end. Um, luckily, one of the other high five girls sort of dropped off the back and that just eased the pace up enough for her to sort of catch her and then get back on. And then it was just those five girls just, you know, attacking each other. So no one got away in the end, but, yeah, absolute cracker of a stage. So, um, yeah, Kate was pretty happy to, uh, yeah, to to get into the yellow jersey there and, and uh, not lose any time. Yeah, so it was Leeson Hawkins taking the win there in the final sprint from Miranda Griffiths and Ruth Corset there in third. Yeah, Leeson Hawkins, an interesting story. She's only just come into racing at a mature age. I mean, I think she's mid thirties, and uh, she's she's just picked up the bike and you know had a number of great results in the VRS there in the last few races, and she's you know really looked the goods. I think she she was in the sprint for the Oceania's um, win, um, which. Shannon Mousy took out. So, <clears throat> so yeah, she's definitely one to watch, and all the girls are saying that she's got a massive motor on her. So, yeah, definitely keep an eye out for her. Um, yeah, yeah, I believe she was a, a hockey player, I heard, over the weekend. So she was quite a high-level hockey player. So, yeah, it's an interesting sort of uh, transition there. Yeah, that's one I haven't heard of. You know, you've got a lot of rowers, you've got a lot of triathletes coming to cycling, but, yeah, I think hockey might be a first. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I'm not. I haven't actually looked it up, but um, from what I was hearing, she was actually, you know, very high level hockey player. Like, um, I'm not sure if she ever played for Australia, but if she didn't, it sounds like she was very close. Actually, I've just thought of one other thing that might be uh, just an interesting thing to uh, mention in there, uh, sure. Jamie. Um, there's actually a girl, Haley Baitup. Have you heard of her? Um, yeah, she used to be triathlon, didn't she, or Iron Woman? Yeah, she used to be an iron woman, and also she was one of the gladiators in Gladiators Australia. She was Nitro, so that was pretty interesting as well. Having uh, you know the ex gladiator Nitro in the field, so yeah, I don't know if um, if that could be weaved in at all, but that was that's another sort of interesting like uh, transition. You got hockey, 
hockey to cycling, and then you've got gladiator. Yeah, onto stage yep. three, and it was um, an early break. Um, it went over, it went away fairly early on in the stage, um, over the top of one of the climbs, and uh, Tessa Fabry and Verita Stewart set off. Um, I'm not sure from the race report um, exactly when those two separated, but they did at one stage, and the gap went out. Yeah, to, they they um, actually never were together. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Tessa actually went and then Verita went after her and we thought they were together for a while, but they were never actually together. So it was it was an interesting situation up the front. They went on the um, the first KOM of the day. Yeah, and I, th- I think the peloton might have um, taken the foot off the gas a bit because um, with 30 k's to go, it was a four-minute gap to Tessa and it looked you know really dangerous at that stage because she wasn't a mile off the lead and she could have well taken the GC um, if, if the teams hadn't got on the front to close that gap down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's right. They went on the climb, and then as as the peloton went over the climb, there's actually three riders off the front, and that was sort of unclear for a long time until we actually went forward to speak to Rita Stewart, who was um, who was in uh, second place on the road. But we came across um, Taryn Heather, who was also solo. So there are three riders out the front, um, all separated by about a minute. So it was a strange sort of situation, and. Uh, yeah, after the first climb, the, the peloton really sat up and uh, it allowed a lot of other girls to get back on. And, yeah, the, the gap really blew out. And it uh, it was a really big chase um, in that last 20 Ks before the climb. And that was um, that was actually Maddie um, who was doing her first uh, first ride for Specialised Women's Team. She was swapping off for uh, for them and uh, or for Kate and then, Holden, they didn't have anyone there, so they had a few girls swapping off. And then there was um, also one of Ruth uh, Ruth Corset's teammates from uh, Total Rush. So there was about four girls doing a really committed chase there. And, yeah, I think they brought it back down to around two minutes at the bottom, and then it was just absolutely on right from the start. Ruth Corset, she is just super aggressive on the climb. She literally got to the bottom and just sprinted, so... It was a very aggressive climb, and they they almost caught Tessa, but um, literally fell meters short. So, yeah, really exciting stage for the stage win itself and uh, the GC. Yeah, just looking at the results, the riders were all over the road there, coming in, you know, in ones and twos. Well, in ones uh, up until up until you know, like the tenth or twelfth rider. So, it it must have been a, quite a tough climb, tough little climb there to finish on. Yeah, it was, it's a fairly tough climb. Not not as hard as the Guns Plains climb, um, but it's just a really hard circuit. Like that, that um, the whole day is just got heaps of climbing in it. So it's the, one of those courses where it's only eighty kilometres long, but by the time you get to the uh, the base of that climb, you've done a lot of climbing already. So um, yeah, very selective, and and it was it was int- really good to watch from the car because. You could see Miranda Griffith, she finished 58 seconds down on the stage, but she was hanging in there until, you know, the last sort of kilometre or something, and then she just blew to pieces. She was obviously going very deep to try and um, stay with Kate and some of the other girls. But, look, it just it just sort of gaps just started prying open in those last couple of kilometres. And, uh, yeah, it, it was really interesting in terms of the um, general classification because when Lyzen got away from Kate, you know, she only needed ten seconds, and it was just, oh, it was just a real drag race. So, yeah, awesome stage, really good racing. Lots of different teams up there. Um, 
yeah, lots of different uh, tactics taking place, and uh, yeah, it was it's great. The women's racing's um, in a pretty good pretty good way, I reckon. Yeah, well, it certainly sounded dramatic. I mean, from what <laughs> I um, from what I gleaned from Kate uh, after the stage, uh, there was Lizen and Ruth up the road, Ruth Corsted up the road, and she must have known at that stage. Well, Miranda's Miranda's behind me. I've got to go after Lizen because you know, 10 seconds, not much at all on the, on the finish line. So she had to go over the top and she managed to claw back Ruth Corset, I think in the final few hundred metres and then just closed down that gap um, to Lyzen. And in the end, it's just as well she did because she only won the overall by six seconds. So, you oh, know, super close. Na- yeah, nail biting stuff, isn't it? I mean, you go over the line, you wouldn't be sure if you won or lost or, or how close it was. So you've really got to dig deep as, as you can. And Ruth Corset as well, she really went out hard. Like she she was obviously, you know, she wasn't racing for just to maintain her position. She was really looking to move up and, and put some time into those girls. So like the way she hit it, she hit the climb really hard and she really blew actually in the last K. So right up until that last K, she was ahead of Kate and then she sort of, yeah, she got overtaken in that last little bit to the line. So she went a little bit too deep. But, you know, there was... Yeah, she was certainly not holding anything back there. Like a lot of people were really just, you know, going after the win. Yeah, I suppose we should um, mention Tessa Fabria as well, who um, took the stage win there after her amazing solo effort for that all that time. And though she was yeah. though she was dragged back in terms of the GC time, um, she still took a great a great win, and she'll certainly remember that a long time to come. Yeah, and it put a lot of pressure on the girls back in the peloton. It made for a really uh, yeah, really interesting sort of race there. And certainly a lot of girls had to sort of, you know, get to the front and, uh, you know, put, pull themselves inside out to try and get the gap back. Okay, yeah. So we'll wrap it up there with the results. Um, so first on the general general classification was Kate Perry, um, our old breakdown colleague, uh, and Lizen Hawkins uh, from High Five Dream Team, and Lucy Kennedy slotted in third there with Tessa Fabry fourth. So a two... Th- a second, third, and fourth for high five. So they wouldn't be too disappointed after that, especially when you factor in the stage win. Um, then Miranda Griffiths came in fifth, Ruth Course at sixth, and Lucy Bechtel um, from Bike Bug Next Gen in seventh. So, and then after that is a little bit of a drop off um, in time, about two minutes to Justine Barra um, there in eighth. So, but all the time, all the same, it was really competitive racing, and hopefully something we can expect a lot more from the women. Okay, and we are very lucky to be joined by Lucy Kennedy of High Five Dream Team and um, fresh off her third place overall at the Mersey Valley Tour and second on the uh, final stage there. Lucy, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. We've already been over the, the race with Neil Vanderplug, but we were lucky enough to be able to get an interview with you. So talk about um, what you and your team did down there. Uh, what was your impressions of the race? You were telling me off air that you were a bit sick um, by the end of the tour. Yeah, I um, we got down there Thursday and I did my time trial all right, but within an hour or two I was had a really sore throat and that kind of hung around for the rest of the tour and now into this week. But I don't think it really affected me too much, so I just had to had to work through it. Um, yeah, it was a pretty successful tour. 
Yeah, I mean, despite being sick, you managed um, second on that final stage there, the best of the best of the bunch coming up that final climb and um, third overall. So you must be pretty happy with yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's actually the first time I've been on an overall GC podium. I was a bit disappointed with my time trial, actually, but then I was really happy with how I climbed. So I kind of literally and figuratively climbed, climbed up the GC and particularly on that final stage, I was pretty pretty satisfied to be able to climb away from, you know, the likes of Ruth. So, yeah, happy with that, that final stage in particular. Yeah, that final stage sounds like a, a real corker with Tessa setting the race alight from a very long way out and then that final climb sounded like mayhem. Yeah, Tessa was amazing. She went really, really early. I think in the lead-up to the race, it was pretty obvious that she wanted to really give it a crack and break away, but she went super early and I was so impressive that she managed to stay away and you know coming up that final climb I could see her there just getting closer and closer and I really wanted her to hang on so that because I didn't want to have to go past her if there was someone coming up behind me so it was really exciting to see her go and then me come across and turn around and there's Lisa not far behind me. Yeah so the one two three on that final stage and second third and fourth overall you're obviously uh, aiming for the top step of the podium, but Kate Perry was a tough nut to crack. Yeah, Kate, obviously she's been time trialing incredibly well and that set her up well. She, you know, she really did it, did it tough in that final stage and credit to her and the specialised team for, for helping her get through. Uh, I think I heard that she really dropped off a little bit on that final climb and dug deep to, to maintain that position. Yeah, from the sounds of things, she was marking Miranda Griffiths first um, because she was only two seconds down at that yeah. stage. And then, you know, saw Leeson and yourself going up the road. So, you know, knew that she had to get on the accelerator from there on in. Um, yeah. What was your, yeah, what were you, what was your plan going into those, um, those road stages after you knew that you had some time to make up? Uh, well, I mean, it was interesting because it, the High Five team, we all were almost consecutive places in the time trial and with Lisa and Tessa and myself all being strong climbers, we didn't really have a, you know, we weren't really working for one person in particular. So it was, it was kind of a, I guess, a dynamic plan to see how everyone was going throughout the stages. And it was almost like whoever is going to be able to make up the time, we kind of help them out rather than saying we're going to work for this one particular person. So it was interesting. It's kind of an interesting dynamic having a bunch of riders that with kind of similar similar strengths i suppose that's a dynamic you have to get used to though at high five um you're all very good um climbers and you know general all-round bike riders as well yeah yeah i mean that's kind of changed from last year where high five won quite a lot of their their races with a sprint finish from kimberley or georgia so it's different this year and we're still i guess getting used to it and um it's fun having a lot of different cards to play which kind of came out on that last day where tessa who was not our highest place rider, but also like we were all so close together that, um, yeah, we have a lot of cards to play. What was it like sitting back there in that group um, chasing on? I mean, and hearing the time gaps uh, at one stage, she had four minutes there and was looking like she could almost take yellow. And what was, what yeah, was well, yeah. we didn't have, we didn't get a lot of time updates. So to be honest, we didn't really know how far ahead she was until I think that first one I heard was the four minute gap. So uh, Lisa and I had a pretty good time really just sitting in. We just had to sit in and stay out of trouble in those pretty awful conditions. So 
yeah, we just basically hid as much as we could and waited. We knew eventually that the other teams would start start drilling to try and bring her back. But, um, yeah, just conserving, conserving, conserving and waiting for that final climb because we knew it, it would um, it would be lit up there. And for you personally, what, what does the result mean? Um, you said it was your first NRS podium, but you've been very consistent in the past, um, taking a lot of top tens on the sort of climbing finishes. And at Tour of Bright, you were very good as well. Uh, again, battling it out with Kate Perry for the win there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've had a couple of fourths and a fifth on GC, but that's the first time up onto the podium. So uh, it's a good stepping stone. Uh, again, I was disappointed with my time trial. So I think if my time trial had been had been better, you know, maybe I could have stepped up a bit further. So that's obviously something that I'm working on and I think there's a lot of room to improve there. So, yeah, for the rest of the year it'll be, you know, trying to consistently be on the podium and hopefully the top step. Well, great. I mean, that's a good ambition. <laughs> um, who, who was looking strong for you um, out of the other contenders? Who, I mean, obviously Kate was looking great. Um, yep. Was there anyone else that you were that you were thinking, oh yeah, they they've come a long way, or they're going to be tough to beat in the future? I thought Miranda was looking really strong. She had a she was third in the time trial. So for someone like Miranda, who's really known as a climber, to have a have a really good time trial, um, I thought she was a very big threat for the tour. So it was a little bit surprising um, to see her kind of fall off a bit on that final climb. Well, yeah, but I suppose everyone has a bad day. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And the conditions Can't hold awful. that against her. Yeah, so um, what's on the agenda next for you? I mean, Battle on the Borders, the next event, and up near you in yep. Queensland? Yep, Battle on the Borders next. So that's um, as close as I've got to a local race. So I'm looking forward to that one. Hopefully get down and ride some of the, ride some of the roads. Uh, yeah, should be good. Well, and the and the women will be the prestige event there, um, with the with the men's tour being being dropped from the schedule. So, you get the top billing for once. Yeah, that's really exciting, and I know that the race organisers really want to really want to make it a big deal for the women. And yeah, so hopefully we'll get all the support for us rather than on the men. Well, great, and uh, hopefully we catch up the, with you again, Lucy. Thanks for being with us, and. Um, yeah, we'll see you around in the racing in the future. Okay, thanks, Jamie. Okay, well, we'll move on to the Grafton to Inverell now, and we'll be back with you later with that. Okay, and we're back, and we're discussing Grafton to Inverell. The it's a really it's, it's described as Australia's toughest one-day race, and it's certainly incredibly tough. I mean, we've seen in the past few years that very small. Groups have come into the finish. Um, well, in fact, it's been Sean Lake solo the last few years, but very small groups behind him, at least. And at uh, 228 k's over over some really challenging terrain, it doesn't look so much from the profile. There's that one big climb up Gibraltar Range at the start, and then after that, there's a sort of series of little climbs. I mean, you describe, but after 220 k's, nothing's little. But it's mainly the roads, from what I hear from back um back from the cyclists it's cycled over really dead dead roads so you get a bunch of rolling resistance and it's really a tough um job to push the pedals at the end of that end of that race um neil you've raced it how do you how do you stack it up against um some of the other tougher races in australia yeah it's certainly a lot longer than um most of the other races that we do being 228 k's and like you say it's not a 
it's not a fast 228 k's i think it usually lasts you know around that six hour mark so it's yeah it's certainly a tough race and uh yeah really interesting that um going up the gibraltar range is you know it's a pretty spectacular sort of climb and that really shakes up the race um last year it shook me out the back of the race unfortunately you know i uh, watched the rest from the car but look yeah it's a it's certainly a pretty epic race um yeah pretty different really there's we don't have any other really sort of long races well we don't have that many i suppose being over 200 k's at all but if you compare it to say the the melbourne to warrnambool which is sort of 270 k's um yeah it's just got that hill so it's sort of those are the two sort of i'd say the you know the premier sort of long sort of classic style races we've got in australia and yeah, they're both quite different, equally tough, or they can be. The Warney can be um, pretty easy if the wind is um, going in the wrong direction. Uh, but, look, the Warney can be also extremely tough. But, yeah, like you say, there's, you know, in the graft and it's there's often very small groups coming into the finish. It's a real sort of uh, race of attrition. Yeah, and last year it was a really interesting addition because it was – it was also the deciding race for the team's classification on the NRS. I mean, your 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 team Avanti and we're going up against State of uh, no, well, State of Amanda now, but they were Charter Mason, and I think I think the team tactics were were clear there. You wanted to make um make the most of your climbing climbing legs over that um, Gibraltar range, and Joe Cooper just went to the front and absolutely um, hit it up the up the range from what I heard he did most of the climb on the front and just shelled riders um and I think it was only like there's some it was in the low teens I think it was at the top of the climb um and that was only because they'd um, caught up with a breakaway um along the way so yeah uh, I, do, I doubt we'll see such aggressive racing from you guys on on Saturday but who, who am I to say I mean what do you do you have any set plans going into the race um no, not that we've sort of spoken out uh, or spoken about uh, at, at this stage. But, uh, yeah, just on that um, racing from last year, yeah, that was that was a really interesting sort of point because you needed to sort of have uh, three riders for the team's classification. So it was really interesting last year and a lot of people really didn't like that in the Melbourne to Warrnambool as well because if you wanted to win the team's classification, which, you know, our team and Charter Mason were both neck and neck, it was up for grabs, you had to sort of finish with three riders high up. So it meant that um, our team was, you know, rather than trying to win the race, our goal first and foremost was to win that team's event. So we were just trying to get as many numbers as we could over that climb and, and just try and make sure that that was the first goal that was ticked. But they've actually changed that this year. So now... Um, with the racing, it'll be more it'll be more weighted towards just the individual results. So if you wanted to get the team points, you just need to get an individual up for the win, which which should change the dynamics a fair bit of this NRS. Um, there'll be a lot less sort of conservative racing, I suppose. So there'll be no sort of you know trying to get three people over the hill just for the sake of um, trying to win teams. It'll just be all about winning the race every team will be just going flat out to win the race which is which is a good change yeah and it makes sense i mean nobody can i mean if you're a spectator watching the race you're not going oh there's the third rider from you know from that team oh that that means they're doing well on the on the teams it's it's just not um a compelling narrative as much as 
as getting the guy on the top of the podium at, at least. So it's a change that makes sense. And hopefully, as you say, it, it creates that more interesting dynamic of racing. Yes. Um, yeah, well, we should talk, I suppose, about um, the dramatic scenes from last year, which um, which saw Charter Mason pulling out halfway through the race after they lost contact with you guys up the front. It's yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it something... Interesting one. It's hopefully something we don't see again. I mean, it's... I, I don't think there's a precedent for it. I don't think I've ever heard of a team being pulled mid-race. Yeah, look, they completely sort of capitulated out there. They was It was pretty exciting for a while there. Like, as I said before, I was I was out the back and then in the cars for that point, um, the racing from the top of the Gibraltar onwards. But for about an hour there, there were two groups. There was the lead group, which had um, basically most of the Avanti team. Uh, and then they had the second group, which had um, basically a lot of the Charter Mason team. And the gap between them wasn't too far, but it was just all of the other teams sat back and it was basically two team time trials, Avanti against Charter Mason. And after an hour, I think the gap just started getting out further and further. And um, I think Charter Mason were, were pretty disappointed and just thought, no, nah, we're not going to get it. And then they just they just upped in the car. They just I think the director just told them, uh, "Yep, that enough, enough, or enough's enough." Uh, yeah, let's go home. <laughs> so that was uh, yeah, that was pretty bizarre. I don't think we'll see that this year. Yeah, well, there were, there were other reasons for that as well. They they didn't want to um, they didn't want to go all the way there, finish thirty minutes down, and then you know take take all the way back home to hop straight onto a plane. So. You know, there's some sm- small scheduling things there, but still, it was pretty odd at the same time. Um, in any case, the, the race was fought out up the, up the front, and uh, I think I think due to uh, your Avanti teammates really putting it on the line in that team trial trial, as you said, they were mostly cooked by the time it got into the finale there. And AWS um, African Wildlife Safaris were able to take advantage of that. Um, they had Cyrus Monk. Uh, Sean Lake and Pat Lane all up there. Um, two of them are your teammates now in Sean Lake and Pat Lane, and they attacked. I think I think first with I think first with Cyrus Monk. He had a great race actually that day. He attacked a couple of times and drew drew a lot of the sting out of the tail. And then uh, Sean Lake went with about about forty k's to go, I think, and then just got too far out. And eventually they was like, "Well, bugger that! We're not going to be able to catch him." So they started racing for second. I think. I think that was pretty much how it went. Um, was that the impression you yeah, got from the boys after the race? Yeah, look, I think the Avanti, the Avanti riders, they were saying that yeah, they were they were fairly done after that um, that sort of big um, time trial, more or less, against um, the Charter Mason guys. And at that point, like you say, there was a small group. There was a small group already, and it was pretty sort of a hard, well, it was a very difficult day up the climb. Very, and the pace was kept on, so it was just. Yeah, it just blew to pieces, and uh, I think you saw, um, yeah, the the well prepared sort of riders really rising to the fore there. And from all accounts, um, yeah, Sean Lake was just, you know, really strong. And when he went, I think there was uh, a lot of people sort of thought, "Oh dear, there's no way we can uh, match that." So he just rode away and won comfortably in the end. Yeah, and. Um... I think it was about three minutes behind him um, that the next group came in, and it was Cyrus Monk, uh, the youngster from. He's he's with Pat's Veg now, but I don't think he's not on the start list this year, unfortunately, which is a bit annoying because you know he 
he could win the race. I mean, he showed last year that he could do the ultimate team teammate role. So no reason why he can't convert can convert that into a win one time. But anyway, um, he yeah. won the sprint. He won the sprint for second, and I think it was was Pat Tom Lane? Davison. Oh, Tom no, Davison. Yeah, there we go. Tom Davison. Yeah, from from Avanti, the triathlete who. Um, yeah, he came over for – he's not with us this year, but he came over for, and that was his first year on the bike. And, yeah, that was an extremely impressive ride by Tom. He's, he's the type of guy who can just go all day. So he did pretty well to get um, second in that bunch sprint because he was, like we were saying before, he was one of those riders who was uh, involved in that big um, sort of team time trial after the top of the Gibraltar. So top ride by Tom. Yeah, and there were other other big names of the sport up there. There was um, Mark O'Brien from you guys, uh, Pat Lane, uh, Lucas Hamilton. He was up there as well. I was in the car with the yep. BIS guys that day, and that was good fun. Watch watching Lucas um, have a great race there over you know over a longer, tougher race, but um, he really showed that he's got the he's got the fortitude to be able to stand something like that. So, was yeah. A, yeah, really good fun. Um, also, Sam Hill, he took a. He took a wrong turn in the finale there, which was uh, a bit of a bummer, as he'd he'd had a he'd had a superb race up until that point, and um, he had, he unfortunately took the the convoy route going into the home straight. So um, you made a wrong turn in the tour of the Taiwan the other day, didn't you? So you can yeah. Look, I'm certainly not going to start throwing stones uh, stones on that one, Jamie. I've done that before. Well, you can sympathise at least then, I suppose. Yep. Um, and another one who might be uh, up for tomorrow is Dylan Sunderland, um, who was then riding with AMR Renault, and um, on Saturday we'll be riding with State of Matter Map. So, and he's been winning recently. He won the Blaney de Bathurst and looking looking good in general. So, it would be wouldn't be too much of a surprise if he if he was one to watch on Saturday. Are there any are there any names that stick out to you as big rivals for Avanti coming up, Neil? Yeah, there's definitely a few. I think State of Matter, um, Marp have got a few um, sort of dark horses in there. Alex Waller, I've heard, is going fairly well in Queensland at the moment. Um, I'm obviously nowhere near Alex um, being down in Albury, but um, he's, a, he's a guy who in the past has climbed really well and he's also got quite a sprint on him. So he's a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a dark horse, a bit unknown. And, and Jesse Kerrison as well, he's obviously really... Really top sprinter, but uh, he was he's much improved in the climbing stakes as well. So it'll be very interesting to see, um, yeah, see what type of form those guys bring and see if they can get over the Gibraltar. But look, it's uh, it's it's tough to call just being the first race of the year. So uh, it's it's very difficult to know who's who's on what sort of form. Brody Talbot is a rider who can be and very strong. So I think. Brody will be probably up there from St. George Merida. Uh, <clears throat> also, the Kenyan riders down under. Nathan Elliott, he's, he's gone quite well in uh, some of these longer races. And also Jason Christie um, from New Zealand. So he's the current um, New Zealand road race champion. And, and last year in the Melbourne to Warner Ball, it was, it was a very easy year. But he was definitely one of, if not the strongest rider um, at the end of that race. So he definitely really likes a long race. And I think having a few more hills in it suits him as well. Um, so actually, I, I probably would say, look, if Jason Christie's coming here on form, he is definitely, um, you know, one of the one of the riders to watch. 
Yeah, and the and the Kenyan riders from the Kenyan riders down under team. What has been your experience of their ability so far? I, I haven't seen much of them in person racing, but um, you've seen them a bit at least. Yeah, a little bit. Um, as you can as you sort of uh, imagine, they're uh, they're pretty small sort of guys. They're very um, yeah, they they look very African. Um, very small and light guys. So I don't think this race is probably going to suit them uh, as much as the other sort of climbing races like in the Borbor Classic. They did quite well uh, a few weeks ago. One of them was uh, second up the climb from the bunch. Um, but they tend to not be as good on the flats from what I've seen. So um, I don't think any of those guys or the two Kenyans on Kenyan Riders Down Under will be sort of... Um, featuring in the on the podium but you never know like they're um yeah they're still um they're still pretty largely unknown yeah and there's plenty of other riders that we should be talking about as well um there's a good article about tim cameron's uh, power stats going up gibraltar last year um it claimed he was one of the fastest going up there but i'm not sure if you can if you can put that into context of joe cooper absolutely smashing it up the thing i mean if you got the sit on his wheel i suppose you're going to go up pretty fast um and oh, look at you there, though. If you're still there at the top, you're probably doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not, not saying anything to the contrary, but yeah. Um, and there's some <laughs> other riders, of course. Um, Sam Hill. Uh, Riley Field is an interesting one. He he was on the, he was in the break, you know, all day at the front, solo at the, the under-23 Nationals. And he's a really enthusiastic young rider. Got a lot of time for him. And yeah, hopefully he does well. That'd be a great story. Um then the N-Swiss guys, they've recruited a few older guys in Stu Shaw and Jake Kaufman to go with their, with their younger setup. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they go. I mean, Jake's obviously incredibly strong over these longer races. Um, we've seen that in Melbourne to Warrnambool. And <coughs> yeah, Grafton to Inverell last year, he was you know, sitting solo for a very long time, as, as seems to be his want in these, in these longer races, just getting, you know, caught between two groups and having to go solo for as long as he can. Yeah, actually, I, I sort of um, didn't see those guys before, but they're definitely, um, they've got a couple of riders there who will be really um, up at the head of the uh, field, I imagine. Like you say, Kaufman, he's he's like a, uh, oh, he's a, he's a gorilla on the bike. Like he makes Gripel look like a, like a little chimp. So Kaufman will be uh, he'll be strong. Also, Aiden Tuvey, uh, he won recently, I believe, the New South Wales State Championships in a very very tough selective race. So I reckon Aiden Tuvey will be up there this year as well. He seems like he's he's a pretty young rider and he seems to be sort of coming on quite well. So I think from from Subaru they've got a couple of contenders as well. Yeah, I spoke to. Um... Ben Kirsten last year and Aiden Tuvey was one of those riders he has big big hopes for in the future. So, yep, keep an eye on him. And um, there's a few individual riders in there, but the one that picks my eye is Reese Gillett from from Van Dam Racing. Well, he would normally be with Van Dam Racing, but they haven't brought a team here. So he he won the Borbore Classic and is going absolutely gangbusters at the moment from, from the sound of things. So he'll definitely be one to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. He'll, he'll look. He, there's no way he is going to get to the top of the Gibraltar and be off the back. The guy is flying up the climb. So I don't know, don't know what he's uh, how he normally goes in the longer races, but he's definitely been one of the inform riders down in Victoria. Okay, and uh, I suppose we'll get to you guys now at Avanti Isoway Sports, and you've got the 
um, past two-time winner Sean Lake here going for a hat-trick now. Um, and you, yourself, Joe Cooper, Pat Shaw, Sam Crone, Pat Lane, Robbie Hucker. As we said off, we're talking off, Mike, and um, I said all, you know, any of those guys could, could potentially win. But uh, are, we, are we looking at a, are you guys trying to set it up for Sean Lake, do you think? Uh, look, we haven't, uh, unfortunately, I can't really give you much of an inside scoop here. We haven't really had any uh, any sort of team meetings or anything like that. But with a race this long, I think most teams will probably go into it with a fairly open sort of, uh, fairly open plan. They'll be trying to get on the front foot and, you know, you, you never want to have a, a break go up the road and have absolutely no one in it because if you're chasing over a race this long, it's going to be pretty you know, pretty tiresome work to try and bring it back. So, yeah, um, yeah, no real sort of, um, no real sort of uh, insight here other than probably, yeah, like you say, I think a lot of these riders, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how everyone's form is, but, um, yeah, I think if anyone sort of, yeah, any one of those, I wouldn't be surprised if any one of the teammates there of mine did really well. So, but look, we'll see. Yeah, well, for me, I wouldn't be surprised at all if I saw Sean Lake going for a move at 30Ks, 40Ks to go, one of his, you know, trademark long-range moves and just putting the power down and making everyone else chase him. Whether that sets it up for one of you guys behind or um, he's allowed to stay away and manages to win, uh, I think that's, you know, probably a very strong move and what we're likely to see. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. Cooper, he's all, he's obviously like a similar rider to Sean, so he could do something similar there as well. You know, Pat Shaw, it's in. Uh, he's sort of um, he's just super crafty, so he uh, he's been in pretty good shape over the summer. And look, if it comes down to some sort of small group and Pat's in there, you got to look out because he is uh, he knows how to uh, he just knows how to get across the line first. Pat, he may not be the absolute quickest, but he's got a bit of a kick there, so. If Pat can get into a bit of a move, that'll be that'll be um, probably good little viewing there at the finish. Chrome's sort of similar to Pat, really. He's a pretty good climber as well, but he's also got a bit of a kick. So yeah, Chrome will be Chrome will be good. And look, Robbie as well, Hucker. He's definitely super motivated. So I reckon he's going to be up for a good one as well. Well, if you can win the Tour of Taiwan, you can you can probably win the Grafton to Inverell. I mean, different races, of course, but. Two of Taiwan's a really high quality event. Yeah, and I just get the feeling. Um, look, I haven't really talked to many of these guys or ridden with them uh, in the last month or two, but yeah, Robbie's. He, I'm getting vibes that he's uh, pretty motivated and uh, having a pretty good time. So yeah, it's hard to pick, but uh, I think hopefully we'll be up there. Well, one thing, one thing's for certain: it will be some really exciting racing and. Uh, yeah, an event I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, I'll be up there, as will Neil, and uh, I'm looking to um, bring you some updates on Twitter. So, yeah, follow me at FishiesCP, and you can get all the updates. Uh, hopefully I'll get some interviews before the race, and I'll be putting those quotes up on Twitter as we go throughout the throughout the course, which breaks up the, the periods where you don't get any phone reception. So... If you're if you're looking to follow the race, follow follow the Twitter feed, and you should be able to, you know, get a decent picture of what's going on and what the favourites are thinking before the before the race happens. Um, I think that will wrap it up for today. It's been yeah a really good chat with you, Neil. Um, I hope you 
hope you enjoyed it um listening at home (laughs) and uh yeah we'll talk to you another day so it's goodbye for me and goodbye for neil until next time